and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 64th episode of the podcast for the week of August 5th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I am so happy to welcome back Bay Area astrologer and tarot goddess, Annalisa Six, who will be joining me in a discussion on Jupiter, the expansion principle. Now, before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today. And if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access to the podcast for as little as $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. I also have a tip jar on the front page of my website that you can donate on a one-time basis as well. You can find that over at energeticprinciples.com. So let's get down to this week's Astro Report. Our lunar lady starts out the week waxing forward and growing in light in the sociable air of Libra. On Tuesday morning, she saunters into the passionate waters of Scorpio as she heads to make her first quarter position mid-morning on Wednesday. She then continues on pushing off with emotional friction as she gallops into the philosophical fires of Sagittarius midday Thursday and where she will adventure in this space for most of the weekend, until Sunday when she tightens it up and gets serious in the practical earth of Capricorn. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe at about eight hours, and if you are in Australia or the East at about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. All right, my friends. Well, this week, I think it's a week that a lot of us have probably been waiting for. Uh, We have the Sun and Venus in Leo making trines to Jupiter, right as we have our first quarter moon in Scorpio. Uh, And on top of that, later in the week, that will happen midweek, and then later on in the weekend, we have Jupiter stationing direct, the same day that Uranus stations retrograde, and Mercury moves back into Leo for the second time. So our stories are growing in big ways this week. So let us waste no time and dive right in. 
On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Libra, and she will sextile the sun, sextile Jupiter, square Saturn, square Pluto, sextile Mars, and square Mercury. (laughs) There's a lot going on, but a lot of it happens actually while we sleep and then that tail end uh, while we probably sleep again. So the bottom line for Monday is, is that with the moon in Libra, we will be seeking balance and harmony while also attaching to future potentials in our lives. Yet Monday may have us up again against some light storms as we want to rush into the future, but have to acknowledge that good things take time. Working with others may be a little challenging until we find the right flow. We will feel motivated by inspiration, yet we'll need to come back to earth for there are things in the way that need our practical attention. And that might be that square to Saturn and Pluto. Now, on Tuesday, the moon moves into Scorpio, and she will make an opposition to Uranus later in the day. And so the bottom line for Tuesday is is that we are feeling that stationing energy of Uranus today, as the moon now in Scorpio spends all day heading towards the Great Awakener. There may be some surprising or exciting messages that come our way that help to kind of shake things up and bring in some new life. Uh, But Scorpio transits can always bring some moodiness if we aren't quite feeling it, Uh, yet we may be invigorated by our passions as well. So it can kind of go either way. We'll be either moody about our desires or we'll be uh, passionate and and kind of revved up. Uh, But chances are restlessness will be in the air with the desire to transform, innovate, and shake some things up in our outer realities. Now, on Wednesday, we have our last quarter moon square in Scorpio, Uh, but we also have a square to Venus, the square to the sun, of course, that's our last quarter square. We have a sextile to Saturn, a trine to Neptune, and a sextile to Pluto. So once again, on Wednesday, Luna is making a lot of different moves. But also, very importantly, on Wednesday, we have our sun trine Jupiter aspect that is perfecting that day, along with that first quarter moon. Now, keep in mind that Venus is going to trine Jupiter the following day on Thursday. So uh, there's a lot of Jupiterian energy that is hanging out here midweek. So let's talk about that sun trying to Jupiter. So, uh, you know, the sun always brings some type of conscious awareness to the table because a spotlight is basically shown on, you know, whatever planet it is transiting and connecting itself to. And usually we turn some sort of page. Now with trines, there's no obstacles. Everything's flowing. You know, we're just going with this energy. And of course, we're going to Jupiter. And Jupiter is all about expanding our world and our, you know, growing and movement. And of course, Annalisa and I will be talking all about Jupiter later in the program, so just keep that in mind. All right, so the sun in Leo joins the trine party to Jupiter and Sagittarius, where both planets in the signs of their domicile are radiating some serious heat. The heat is definitely turned up this week. (laughs) Especially as Jupiter is slowing the station on Sunday, midweek is going to have a significant amount of inner and outer growth spurts taking place as we flow with enthusiasm and inspiration towards what makes us feel alive in life. 
Now, there is less tension about moving forward at this time, for we are likely, you know, kind of wanting to ride the wave of fire as it will feel exhilarating and quite possibly invite us into new adventures. We now know where we are going, especially after spending, you know, time in the eclipse vortex while Mercury retrograded as well. So grab onto this confidence-inducing energy that can help expand your life in a very fortunate way. Saying yes to something may be key. For if you align with self-expression, courage, and the truth of who you are, you can really do no wrong at this time. Now, we also have that first quarter moon happening at 14 degrees and 56 minutes of Scorpio. Um, And that will happen at 10.31 a.m. Pacific time. So, now, with that first quarter in Scorpio coinciding with these Jupiter transits, and then, you know, because essentially that first quarter moon is squaring into the Leo planets, there may be some emotional tension to get through as we will be motivated by our passions and desires, and hopefully those will be flowing within the fire trines, and the moon can, you know, give us that friction to intensify our emotional focus. Now, with the Sun and Venus both trining into Jupiter under a tension-inducing relationship-oriented moon, because keep in mind, Libra and Scorpio both are very much about the other, there can be some moments that arise that create some steam in our partnerships, yet I think it can be quite productive if we channel the energy in effective ways. For Scorpio has an alchemical and cleansing influence that helps heal and transform energy into new life. So the bottom line for Wednesday is is that we are feeling the Jupiter trines as the last quarter moon squares both Venus and the sun on Wednesday. And this day is likely to have some tension to it, but in a way that can be used to transmute energy into a fresh incarnation. And so taking time out to meditate may be useful, especially with that trine to Neptune later in the day, because there will be a strong flow of energy to help, you know, tap into uh, what can heal and grow us simultaneously. Simultaneously. So find clarity there and then take advantage. Now, on Thursday, the moon is still in Scorpio, but will move to Sagittarius around midday, actually about 1.35 p.m. here, Pacific time. And along the way, she'll make a square to Mars, you know, while we're fast asleep before the day even starts, and then a trine to Mercury just as we get going. But also, we have Venus making that trine to Jupiter. So now Venus is comes up to where the sun was. And so Venus... She is our relationship principle. She's where we open up and attract in and uh, help harmonize and bring balance to our lives. And she, like the sun, is in this no obstacles flowing zone with Jupiter, which is trying to expand our world and grow it. So now Venus comes around not too long after the sun to try and Jupiter herself. And so creative energy is up the wazoo and we can join forces with others of like vision if we feel inspired to do so. Venus and Leo loves a little fiery passion and has a strong desire to live life to the fullest. So be sure to open up to what is attracting you in with its magnetic pull. I have a feeling if there was any tension in relationships or creative projects from the week before, now things will smooth over and flow. Because don't forget that Venus uh, just met some squares with Uranus (laughs) the week prior. Now, when both benefics meet 
together because both Venus and Jupiter have that benefic, uh, you know, kind of luck or growth principle type of energy, you know there is magic in the air. So indulge in life, ride the wave of desire, and invigorate passionate energy uh, in your life and your relations, for we all need a little romance from time to time. So treat yourself like a true queen or king and watch the rest of the world follow suit. So the bottom line for Thursday is, is that Here we have a two-part day as the first half is spent still in the passionate and intense waters of Scorpio before Luna moves into the warm optimism of Sagittarius. Communications likely come in first thing with that trine to Mercury, so it could be a very active day in that department. Yet later in the day, and especially once the moon moves into Sag, we will be feeling our stories grow while also embracing that sense of adventure that is so valuable in life. You are protected, so open to the excitement that lies ahead. Now, on Friday, we have the moon in Sagittarius, and she will make a conjunction to Jupiter, a trine to Venus and the sun, and then a square to Neptune. And so the bottom line for Friday is is that where there may have been some tension at last quarter, uh, you know, just a few days prior, with uh, especially with those Jupiter trines, now things are smoothed over and humming along with a new sense of optimism around where the story is headed as Luna conjuncts Jupiter and trines Venus and the sun. So everything's getting lit up on this day especially as Jupiter is super slow and ready to station too, because keep in mind, you know, it's extra, extra when it is changing, uh, you know, position. (laughs) And so this week's overall theme will be super lit up today. And so we are feeling pretty good, I think, and full of idealistic intention, especially in the evening as the sun and moon trine um, together, which is always a feel-good experience. But Neptune also squares in. So do watch for going overboard through, you know, in the evening, uh, because our enthusiasm may get us in a pickle if we, uh, you know, kind of take it too far. And especially with substances, because we know Sagittarius, uh, Neptune, and Pisces all alike uh, can imbibe things pretty easily. So FYI, Friday night. Now, on Saturday, the moon is still in Sagittarius and will trine Mars. So the bottom line for Saturday is that we will be feeling quite motivated and driven today as that lunar fire in Sagittarius trines into warrior Mars in Leo. So move through life with a sense of generosity and gratitude, for it will only help to keep those fires consistent and burning. We are feeling good, and there is a lot of energy at play, so make sure to do something fun and or adventurous. But usually fun and adventure go hand in hand. So, you know, or at least I like to think so. (laughs) But I mean, don't go crazy, of course, because we have to remember that Jupiter and Uranus are stationing. But I'd say this could be a great day um, to get organized around whatever enthuses you and foster the feeling of being alive. Now, on Sunday, the moon will now move into Capricorn and trine Uranus. Now, a couple things are happening on Sunday. We have Jupiter stationing direct, we have Uranus stationing retrograde, and we also have Mercury ingressing back into Leo, which you might remember uh, it was there before it, that's where it stationed retrograde to begin with. So let's start with this Jupiter station which will happen at 6.38 a.m. Pacific time. Um, And yeah, so hallelujah, Jupiter is turning direct. 
So since April 10th, when Jupiter stationed at 24 degrees and 21 minutes of Sagittarius, most of the growth taking place has been on the internal level as we went back over the trajectory of our ever-expanding life story. And along the way, we spent time mulling over and reorganizing our beliefs about life. Old beliefs were challenged while new ones were fostered, and through that four-month period, we most likely re-examined what we are going to say yes to in life. Now, as Jupiter stations at 14 degrees and 30 minutes of Sagittarius, we have a greater amount of confidence and optimism to pursue our stories forward and move into the next chapter of external growth. So I'm very much looking forward to Jupiter moving direct. Now, Uranus, though, on the other hand, is stationing retrograde. You know, the universe really is on on schedule. (laughs) And so that will happen at 7.26 p.m. Pacific time. And so just as Jupiter regains forward motion, Uranus stations to head backwards, making this week an incredibly significant one as the energy of these two stationing giants will be felt greatly on the planet. And so I have a feeling we may see some uh, maybe shocking and possibly over-the-top manifestations in the world. So do not be surprised if that does pop up. Um, I consider this a relief, though, for where Uranus has been shaking and quaking and creating external disruptions since January, now we'll move into more internal awakenings that will be taking place. Yet before this happens, it's quite possible there will be one big jolt as Uranus stations. As the planet of liberation, awakening, and sudden storms, a last bit of energy will likely get stirred up for us to mull over during the retrograde period. And during that time, we will go back over ways to innovate our relationship with the outer world of work, finances, uh, our bodily systems, you know, very earth-related things in Taurus. Uh, And then find ways to shake up old personalized routines into something that fits in with all the changes and progress we've made um, as of late. Now, Uranus will be retrograde until January 10th, 2020, when it will station direct on the next lunar eclipse. Yowzers! So you can expect uh, that story, that Uranus story, will be quite interesting uh, in January, especially that's when we're going to have our um, Saturn-Pluto conjunction as well. January next year, just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mercury. Mercury ingresses back into Leo on Sunday as well. That will happen. When will that happen? That will happen at 12.45 p.m. midday. And so Mercury is gaining momentum as it continues to increase in speed, you know, because it's picking up from (laughs) from the station it did recently. And and now it's going to head back into the fixed fires of Leo. So now the Leo party really gets started for we will have the Sun, Mercury, Venus, and Mars all in the sign of the lion for the most of next week before Mars moves into Virgo. And so our intellectual processes are exiting the submerged waters of cancer and are now ready to join the enthusiasm party as our thinking on life will strengthen in its optimistic outlook around the overall big picture. And so our perception can align with a motivation that is based on the heart's joy and the passions we hold in life. So use this creative momentum to move things forward. And so Mercury will be in Leo until August 28th. 
All right. So bottom line for Sunday, a lot going on then. Uh, We have the Uranian energy flowing as the planet stations and the moon, now in Capricorn, trines into that energy. And the Capricorn influence will slow things down a bit and help ground all that fire from the days before as we move back into a pragmatic yet innovative space. And with that Uranian connection, this can be a great day to find solutions to practical problems and get a new lease on organizing uh, our life and its projects. And that previously dense energy can now be shaken up and rerouted to help start something fresh in the physical world. Because do keep in mind, Capricorn is an initiating cardinal influence. All right, so to wrap it all up, This week, you know, it's going to be one fiery week as our stories move forward and we have the courage and optimism to say yes to life. This will be a welcomed departure from the previous eclipse season energy, and it would be wise and life-affirming to ride this wave of passion and enthusiasm into the sunset. Okay, so let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little something something. And so this week I drew the Two of Cups as the focus and the Nine of Pentacles as the grounding. I was like, where's the fire cards? But, you know, we do have a first quarter moon in uh, in Scorpio. And, of course, we have Uranus stationing in Taurus. So I guess it makes sense. But with the Two of Cups as the focus, you know, I actually find this to be quite a sweet addition to our Venus-Jupiter trine that is happening. Because this card focuses on the principle of attraction and bringing people together who are of like heart and mind to embrace connection with one another. And there will be some bonding taking place this week. And we will feel a magnetic pull towards whatever lights up the heart, which will then coalesce in decision-making around the desire for unity. And this doesn't just apply to love relationships, for it can also take place with business partnerships and friendships as well. Uh, So we can help to build meaningful connections that are based on harmony and respect for one another. Now, with the Nine of Pentacles as the grounding, this is an interesting placement for the Nine uh, because it tends to signify someone that is actually quite self-sufficient. So if that description resonates with you, perhaps the two is asking that we step back from too much independence in order to connect and combine with others. So this card also speaks to worldly luxury. So perhaps by joining forces, as the two suggests, there will be material rewards that come out of this union. However it goes down for you, there is a significant level of comfort and prosperity here, which I consider a good omen. Now last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the lion. What better representative for this week than our dear old friend, the lion? Uh, So, you know, this week is all about living life with a courageous spirit and having the confidence to ask for what it is you want. It doesn't matter if it's something big or something small, even if it's super small. You know, this week is where we are going to have to ask and put it out there. For otherwise, our desires may never be known. I am definitely one of those people that get antsy about asking for things I desire, especially if I think that they're putting a burden on someone else or, you know, because the, you know, the possibility of hearing the word no sends fear through my veins. Yet what 
is there to be afraid of if someone says no, really? And especially as we encounter all these Jupiter transits, we have a significant amount of luck and yes energy currently at our sides. So stand tall and put it out there. Now is a better time than any. All right, so now speaking of putting it out there, (laughs) I will do so. All right, so my new Patreon offerings are up, and I've switched it all around, and so I'm going to give you a quick rundown on what now is available, and I hope you will feel enticed to sign up. So, of course, I still have my $1 tier that it brings uh, early access to the podcast. If you're interested in that, that's the base level. Now, my $3 tier now includes show notes. So all these forecasting that I do in this first part of the show, I actually write. So now those are going to be available for $3 a month, including early access to the podcast. And so you can come back and refer to it later in the week or use it to help you study or whatever way you see fit for using uh, my words to learn more. Now, uh, my $6 tier has now been changed to Astro Storytime, and so I have a new program coming out that will be exclusive to Patreon, uh, where I will be sharing um, the way I look at charts. And so I'll be telling stories through either celebrity charts, historical figures, uh, mundane charts or events that take place, you know, whatever sparks my interest um, and I find educational to share with others. And so that will be a monthly program that will be about 30 to 45 minutes long, um, and it will have the first episode airing the week of August 12th, and that is my $6 tier. Now, I do have a tier at $8, which is the I Want It All tier, and that will get you early access to the podcast, uh, my show notes and Astro Storytime, and that will be $8. So if you want to check these things out, sign up, or if you have any questions, uh, you can go over to Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I'm so happy to welcome back Annalisa Six to the program. Thank you for being here, Annalisa. Yay, thanks for having me. Yes, she has been on before. How many times now? Is this the fourth? Fourth or fifth, yeah. Yeah, somewhere in there. Enough. Enough to where if you have been a longtime listener of this podcast, (laughs) you may have encountered Annalisa before here. So before we get started on today's segment about Jupiter and the expansion principle, uh, you know, give us a little bit of a background on yourself for those who haven't heard of you before. Yeah, my name's Annalisa. Um, I'm still kind of a noob to astrology compared to a lot of other people, I guess. But uh, noob to being an astrologer, not new to having an interest in astrology. I'd say that's been yes. a lifelong passion. But um, so yeah, I've been studying astrology for three years. I'm also a tarot reader. I'm also a dog walker for dogs with behavioral issues. And um I live in Oakland, California with my husband and my two dogs, and I just dog walk and do tarot and astrology readings every day, and I love it. Great. Just living the life. Just living the life. (laughs) I love it. Um, Well, that sparks the question, since I've been asking everyone that has been coming on in the last how many episodes here about, uh, you know, what sparked your interest in astrology, you know? What's your story? What, What was, like, the thing that captured your, like, you know, open this world for the first time for you? Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of like a good way to summarize all the different long ways I could answer that question. <laughs> Basically, I grew up 
with parents that were already kind of into that stuff. And so ever since I was little, like really, really little, astrology and mystical stuff was just around. My mom had my birth chart done when I was born and she had um, me and my dad and her done all together. And she didn't really remember things that right, but I grew up always kind of hearing about it. And then my dad owned a shop called Seventh Heaven that was like a hippie store for a few years when I was a kid. And he hung out with a lot of belly dancers and stuff. And so I belly danced when I was little and everybody was always talking about astrology around me. And I loved those like birthday books. And pretty much since I was a little kid, like reading my horoscope and gravitating towards astrology or mystical books was always something that was kind of a side hobby. Um, I got into tarot when I was 17 and did that for a couple years just on a personal level. And then I kind of put that aside and, you know, partied and was like a crazy 20 something year old that just needed to do yes. crazy wild stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you on that. <laughs> and then when I had like my adult spiritual awakening, I went um, and had my chart done by Vicki Noble, who's my teacher now. Um, and that basically ignited my path onto wanting to actually dedicate myself to astrology. But when I first learned tarot when I was 17 and realized astrology was a part of it, numerology was a part of it, I was it was so overwhelming to me that I think I just got really intimidated by it and was just like, you know, I'm not in a place where I can dedicate. When I want to learn something, I want to kind of go all the way with it. And so I have a hard time staying on the tip of something if I'm not going to go all the way with it. And so I think once I picked my tarot cards up and had my chart read, there was no going back. I was just like, I have to learn how to do this for myself. And then I am a very, we'll talk about it. I'm a very Jupiter dominant person. Yes. And so it's like that need to consume and expand within whatever I'm interested in is ravenous. Like I just have to know everything. And so that's kind of my story but I never expected to actually be doing this like it was always just like I'm gonna look up my horoscope and have fun <laughs> with it or whatever you know but it's crazy though because it's like because it's always been just a background interest like there's so many people in my life that I've just tracked signs so it's like I almost feel like I subconsciously or inadvertently was like creating some kind of database of like astrology tied to psychology without even knowing it. Mm. Like I was doing that to people in my life. I get in conversations at bars about people's signs way before I ever was studying this stuff and just talk about it for hours with people and like psychoanalyze them based off their signs when I barely even knew what I was talking about. Just <laughs> a side hobby, you know? So it's funny to think about and just be like, I remember like I've always really despised Pisces men. And I remember being at bars and like meeting men who are Pisces and I'd be like, oh, and they'd be like, why, why don't you like me? And I would basically just tell them who they were and then they'd just sit there kind of dumbfounded. And so I feel like, I guess I was just like meant to do this or something. <laughs> I just didn't know it until a couple of years ago. Yeah. Until, until the hunger got ravenous and Jupiter got active <laughs> and, and really got in there. Doing this now. 
Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I totally think that there, it, it, for all of us that are, you know, heavy into this and especially on a professional level, there is an initiation of sorts that takes place and it can be different at different times. And sometimes we're not even ready to be initiated yet. Like a lot of us seem to find it early on in different ways, but then maybe shelve it. It seems like a lot of people don't go full, you know, full in until a second coming I've noticed. Yeah. Not everyone, but a lot of people, they tend to, to they tend to ha- hold a fascination that is almost like a, you know, an acorn that is rooted within. And then when the moment is right, are you the right transits or, you know, that point of life, or maybe even we get to a point where we have enough personal wisdom to actually pursue these at a higher level, um, then it comes to us. And then there's no turning back, unfortunately. Once you're in, well, since we're talking about Jupiter and Sagittarius energy, it actually started for me when Saturn entered Sagittarius in my chart. Interesting. Like an acorn in the... I know. Yes. That's funny. Well, and a lot of us have... I know we're talking about Jupiter today, but Saturn, when it hits that cycle and it makes that first house transit, like that is a very... Um, that's that's its, its own Saturn return in a sense because it it's, a, it's yeah. a maturing principle of the identity and the person that you are. And there is something, you know, acording uh, at that point that then is seeded throughout a whole, um, you know, very long cycle there, almost a 30 year cycle. Um, and so, yeah, that makes a lot of sense actually, especially Saturn being that principle of discipline coming to your Jupiter, you know, Sagittarius first house energy. So I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. Super fun. Well, I'm glad you're lucky to be born into the family that was on the mystical adventure. Cause I've noticed that too. Some people are just kind of born in it and you come from a line of people that are just in that. And that's, there's like an inheritance ancestry of energy that comes with it. (laughs) Um, Weirder, like with that family stuff, like I'm realizing how much of my past lineage in that is tied to so many things that are coming up in a synchronistic way. And it's just like, there was no way that this wasn't going to end up being my path, Mm -hmm. but I didn't see that at all until kind of now, you know, which is also fascinating because if I do recall, you have Jupiter in Cancer. <laughs> I know, right? Yes. That's also interesting. Yes. Family lineage. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yes. So yeah, we we can peel off the layers of this onion for <laughs> for days, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. It's yeah. But okay, so now well, not only is Annalisa a Sag rising, which of course puts Jupiter prominent there, but she's also a Leo who's about to have her birthday. Your 30th? Is it your 30th? Birthday? My 30th. Yeah, it's crazy. The dirty 30. It's, a, it's, it's a, you know, going into the, the threshold of the 30s. I loved the 30s. I just entered the 40s. <laughs> hey, that's right. You yeah. just did your birthday. Happy yeah, birthday. I just left and you're, you get to enter. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And happy almost birthday to you. It's... um. It's interesting times to have our birthdays in, I have to say, the summer, summer energy. But so was last year. So, hey, you know, getting used to it, I suppose. Um, so now, uh, before we get into Jupiter talk, um, what, what do you think about this Leo season? What have you been getting? Um, you know, give us a little bit of your Leo perspective on what's going on. Well, I've been like selfishly preoccupied with the fact that my card, my tarot card for my year ahead spread was strength reversed. Mm. And so that being a Leo card and me being a Leo and 
that card coming up as my year card, it hasn't quite manifested into my life yet. I still feel like I'm kind of at the beginnings of it, but since today is July 31st, so it's the last day of the month and it's starting August with a new moon in Leo. And I'm thinking of, you know, we were talking earlier about how, you know, being a Leo sun, the moon in Leo is very uncomfortable for me. Um, it brings to the surface, at least for me, like insecurities about my need for validation in certain parts of my life and where I'm not getting it or where I feel like I don't get that recognition or that validation, which I think as I do more work on myself, that kind of dissipates. I feel less and less that way. But I would say as a Leo son with getting the strength card reversed, and this new moon kind of activating this cycle for this next month mm-hmm. and some of the transits that are happening around it. I feel personally like it's not the happiest expression for this energy for me and maybe other Leos. I've, I've done some readings for some other Leos that seem to be also pulling some very intense cards around having to heal um, some underlying issues around insecurity and not advocating for the self in a full way. So I think there's going to be like some tension for Leo this uh, month, just from an intuitive perspective. And then from a personal perspective, I think Leo's kind of getting a little bit of a wake up call on where it needs to maybe um, the, the roar needs to gain some wisdom. Like it's a baby roar and the roar needs to like climb out of some stuff to kind of get to that key position. I feel like it's like a page or a night of wands kind of month. I don't know. That's so interesting. I love the idea of taking it to the roar because I feel like some of the Leo energy out there is going to need to amplify the roar a little bit more. And then some of it is going to need to learn to turn it down. I think it's, I think it, but either way, it's going to be this lack of balance because we were, we were talking about this before we hit record, but you know, uh, Annalisa had pointed out, you know, for the Leos, basically we have Uranus coming around in Taurus and especially this Leo season and, you know, things are shaking up. So Leos are getting a shake, but at the same time, we have all this Jupiter energy coming from Sagittarius, which is like, grow, you know, move on. It's time to expand. It's it's time to get out of that comfort zone. And basically both sides, you know, both Uranus and Jupiter are like, get out of the comfort zone. <laughs> and so things are really shaking up. And uh, one of the things that we had touched on earlier too, is for a lot of the folks that were born, um, you know, in, in that generation, uh, uh, like you were of Pluto and Scorpio, that energy is taking, is playing into this as well. So if you were born between, you know, uh, starting in 1984 is dancing in and out, um, through God, when did it leave? Like mid nineties, yeah, 95 or something. Yeah. We're totally guessing. Get your ephemeris out if you really want to know. Go that far back. Otherwise I'd look, I don't have an older one. But I'm, I would assume that just doing the math that anybody that is kind of like in that 1985 through 87 zone is probably kind of extra getting the, <laughs> having all the planets hit that and then Uranus opposing Pluto and stuff. Right. Um, so that can be intense. Um, but we're all trying to get somewhere. <laughs> I think it's, it seems we're all, life never stops, right? It just keeps on going. And that's kind of the fire principle. Fires are all about life you know, and that passion and that vitality and that purpose and 
and uh, expressing that and shining that with that Leo. And so, yeah, I, f- I feel you. It could probably be intense. Because <laughs> it wasn't up until like, like I've been pretty spoiled on my birthday. Like I'd say I've had a lot of like that kind of take for granted how good of birthdays that I typically have. And it wasn't until the Leo Aquarius eclipse seasons that that started to shift for me. Like I started to have more kind of weird energy around my birthday that I hadn't dealt with before. And once that kind of shifted away, things have been a little bit easier, but I just feel like there's something about this season that is a little bit more like being run through the ringer, like in terms of the growth, like it's not going to be as smooth maybe as it has been for Leo's, but I don't know. That's just my perspective based off of the being set. Well, I th- the stage being set, and that's the absolute point. And so I agree with you there because a lot of us we look at these, you know, Jupiter trines coming up to the, you know, the Sun and Venus, and of course Mercury is going to get there. Mars has already been there, um, and we're like, oh yeah, these lucky, you know, Jupiter transits coming in. But yeah, they're they're expanding something that we have brought to our conscious awareness. But what was that all about a month ago (laughs) in the month prior? You know, the buildup to this is quite intense for a lot of people. And a lot of people are, you know, pivoting and change, having changes of hearts and realizations and making big moves in life. And sometimes literally, you know, big moves, moves are starting families. So many of my friends are now pregnant, you know, cancer comes around and, you know, (laughs) everyone's having a baby. Send me. <laughs> Send me. I'm not. I do. I do. <laughs> we have fur babies, basically. Yeah, fur babies. I almost got another fur baby, but I didn't have And that was, yeah, that was a whole nother, which by the way, that was a very, very cute pup. That was like, I almost was like, how do I take her? <laughs> how, do, how do I get her from Oakland? I don't even like dogs, but this dog's face is just so sweet. And uh, she's yeah. amazing. She's like the last unicorn. That's how she felt. <laughs> Bless her heart. Well, hopefully she has something special that awaits her. And, you know, oh, anyways, anyways, backstory on that. We won't get <laughs> sad about the dog. Um, so, all right. So let's get into this Jupiter. We talked a little bit about Leo and what's going on. And just FYI, uh, you know, we are kind of braving it here today as we're, we're literally talking as the new moon in Leo is what? It's like 12 minutes away right yeah, now. Yeah, it is, huh? And yeah. then... 11 minutes away. We're counting down. We're counting down. We're counting down. We'll do a little woo uh, if we, when we get there. Um, but most importantly, Mercury's stationing direct. So that's why we're extra brave. Not only is it a dark <laughs> moon happening, we're in the dark looking at each other. We're not very well lit. We're going down with the light in our video. <laughs> And Mercury stationing. So uh, hopefully there will be no tricks, but you know, no guarantees, of course. <laughs> um, so you know, let me ask the, the a lady with some strong Jupiter. What what do you think about Jupiter? What what comes to mind right away for you, or what's the principle for you? I love Jupiter. Like I feel like I had a strong relationship with Jupiter without even knowing anything about Jupiter, like <laughs> being dominant in my chart. Um, I just, I mean, for me, I think like expansion as the defining like idea around Jupiter, I relate to, I feel always kind of like, I want to know everything. I want to do everything. I want to relate to everybody. 
Um, and I, it's overwhelming. It's an overwhelming feeling to constantly have, but it also kind of always makes you feel like you're dancing with, you know, what's going to happen next. I could go this way. I could go that way. I could dive all the way into that. Like Jupiter to me just has this very like adventure, you know, excitement kind of feeling about it. And even when it's kind of scary, it's exciting. So, um, I think that the kind of things that we relate to with Jupiter, um, are things that most of us, whether we're Jupiter dominant or not, there's something about Jupiter that I feel like it's, it's like a heart center, like an esoteric astrology. I think they, I read that if the sun wasn't the sun, Jupiter would be like the second sun or it would be like the heart of the solar system and everything would kind of revolve around Jupiter instead of the sun. Hmm. And there's something about that that I feel like we all feel when we're when we're seeking truth or existential truth, existential knowledge, when we're um, wondering why we're here or what does it all mean, or we're looking for a God or we're looking to God, I feel like that's all represented in Jupiter. And I love it. It just makes me excited. (laughs) (laughs) That's what makes my world go round uh, are those exact things. That's absolutely, those are absolutely all assigned with Jupiter. And that's so true that Jupiter was considered, um, you know, very sun-like and very, you know, the principal God. I mean, Jupiter was uh, the principal God for the Romans, basically. Um, And they were all about some Jupiter (laughs) action, which what they actually, I read how they had often referred to him um, as Jupiter Optimus Maximus. <laughs> I read that too, Optimus Maximus. Maximus which means uh, the best and the greatest, which yeah. that's, yes, that's so funny. And also like uh, uh, Jove, you know, the term like by, by Jove, I've got it. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> You've never heard that before. And Jove, it was another name that they would use for Jupiter as well. I did not know that. Wow. And it, and it comes, and we know the word uh, jovial, right? Yeah. Which means happy or friendly or just, you know, when we think of Sagittarius, they tend to have a jovial nature. Well, that's very Jupiterian. Um, so like back in the day, you know, when the, you know, the Romans would be like, by Jove, you know, what they're saying is by Jupiter, you know, by the gods, because Jupiter was, you know, not the only god, because that's the thing is like, they didn't have that, you know, monotheism. They looked at many different things, but Jupiter was like the god, you know, he was yeah. the, the god of the skies. He was, he's number one. <laughs> he was the greatest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that was super interesting um, about the background with that. And something I found also very interesting, because there's so many things we could say about Jupiter, um, and especially with expansion, because Jupiter, uh, when you think of expansion, it's, you know, it's obviously growth, right? And in any type of way, like in the, in, by transit, you know, it's going to expand our life in some way. It's going to expand our worldview, uh, if it's in your first house, it could also expand your belt buckle. <laughs> you know, like it literally can add extra weight to people that are under like Jupiter transits, especially when they're in like the first house um, or hit the ascendant or are in a tense aspect with the ascendant or not even a tense one. You can have a, probably a flowing one and that would really do it. Um, but it's just trying to, you know, just... It, expand out. That's whatever that looks like. And, you know, Jupiter does sometimes get the, uh, not sometimes, it typically gets the notion of being a lucky or benevolent influence. 
However, if what needs to expand in your life and where you're going uh, is not something maybe you're comfortable with or your life doesn't already allow room for that to fit in, Jupiter can actually be quite um, disruptive in a way because it ha- it's going to grow and expand out no matter what. And so, you know, when we have to move into the next part of our lives, uh, you know, it's going to clear the way. And so actually I find Jupiter very prominent in death charts all the time because, yeah, yeah, because it's the next stage of life. Right. Yeah. Like strong Jupiter transits can relate to death. Yeah. It's, it's kind of blows my mind actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, When I started looking at it because I had heard, and I can't remember where I heard it. It was during some lecture, you know, a handful of years ago where they were talking about the myth of, uh, uh, Bosis and Philemon, which is about a, a myth of an old couple where Jupiter comes to their town and he's looking for some, um, and I'm totally paraphrasing all this, just FYI, if you want to see it on your own, go look. This is just recall from memory. But basically Jupiter comes to town, he uh, is looking for a place to uh, take shelter or to someone to take him in. And I think he was like looking for the principle of generosity from these people, which is also a very Jupiterian you know, um, uh, concept as well, but everybody was like shutting their doors and like, Oh no, but Bosis and Philman, they were like, yeah, come on in, come on in. We'll take care of you. And so they did their good deed out of the, you know, the goodness of their heart. And then sure enough, you know, when Jupiter went to leave, he was like, okay, so here's the deal. Uh, based on the responses that I've gotten from everybody in this, uh, village, I am going to, I think he flooded it. If I do recall, he flooded it and he's like, okay, so you guys are going to go, um, in, uh, you guys are going to be able to know about it and be safe. And then, uh, so he basically killed everyone in the (laughs) the city, saved them and then promised them that in death, that their spirits would live on together in this tree. And so once they died, they got to be, and so that's where Jupiter kind of comes in with that death principle or at least myth wise. And so, I always found that very interesting. And ever since I heard that story, then I started looking, oh, like, okay, so let me look at Jupiter in charts of people when they pass. And sure enough, it was just like blaring. I'm like, whoa. (laughs) It's crazy. I remember my teacher taught us that in one of my astrology classes recently. And I've been in that same space as you of like trying to notice Jupiter doing certain things like to people's sons or ascendants or, you know, what house are they in or were they aspecting Pluto or, you know, just all <laughs> the random stuff. Were they aspecting Pluto? That is, that is the ticket because honestly, one of the like hardest growth spurts I've ever had in my life happened while Jupiter was exactly conjunct my Pluto in the 12th oh, wow. house. Yes. So yes, <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a Jupiter on my Pluto transit um, a couple years ago because when Jupiter was in Scorpio, mm-hmm. it was in my on my Pluto, and that was really difficult. That was, you know, obviously my Pluto's in the eleventh house. Obviously, all the eleventh house themes were there. There was a lot of shedding that needed to be done. Yes, <laughs> so that's interesting because um, I'm assuming it happened in groups or friendships and things yeah. along those lines. Because <laughs> that's exactly what happened to me. Because mine's over oh, in Libra, yeah. and, and and that happened with uh, just 
um, you know, friendships and, and relationships with other people and, you know, uh, loose agreements, you know, because we're, we're in contracts with a lot of people that we engage with in everyday life, especially if we work on projects together and things like that. And um, yeah, I encountered the exact same thing. But really, when we think about it, Libra and Scorpio both are very much uh, relationship signs. They because, are, yeah. yeah. So it makes sense. Doesn't make it easy, but it makes sense. <laughs> well, and it also, I think it's like even if there is a death or a hardship through Jupiter, Jupiter represents higher mind. It's always trying to elevate you into that next stage. So even if basically whatever isn't serving your highest purpose or your higher self, Jupiter is pushing you into that, whether you like it or not. And if you resist it, then I think that shadow element that you're talking about where it becomes destructive is what happens because you'll do the, you'll do the polarity of what the higher self is, which would be the lower self. And then you expand into your lower self as your last ditch effort to hold on to the past or the self that doesn't want to grow. And that's what I think when we're talking about me not really taking the call, you know, in mm-hmm. the Jupiter stuff. I did expand into my lower self. All of my um, Jupiter, all the negative qualities of Jupiter dominated my life. I struggled with weight. I struggled with addiction. I struggled with alcohol. I struggled with overconsumption financially and like pretty much all the stuff that you could do in a Jupiter way to escape yourself. Mm for like the whole five or six years that I tabled my spirituality. (laughs) And then as soon as I started getting more of my Saturn, like Saturn entering Sag and kind of me getting things into control, it was like my higher self just opened up and was like, okay, you got to do this, you know? And I was like, okay, I'm I'm doing it or whatever. But yeah, I think that's the hard part with, because I know a lot of Sagittarius dominant people and I think like watching their, just the hardships that people have through that kind of boundary and that balance of trying to contain that need while out, you know, it's really difficult. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So true. Because, and that's really the principle of Jupiter and Saturn, you know, next yeah. to each other. And they're, they're opposites for that reason. You know, Jupiter is spilling over excessively. <laughs> it loves excessiveness. <laughs> That's why, like you said, when it's, it's operating in this lower state and you're not of the, the higher mind or looking at the bigger picture, um, and you can get in, in very indulgent or very exaggerated if you're trying to hold on, like we were saying, you know, you get the Jupiter transit and you're like, wait, I'm not ready to go there. And then people just go overboard. Like they, like, like you said, any last ditch effort to like, what? And so not only is it paired with this, like, forceful <clears throat> growth that is happening for the person, but it's also flailing in its, uh, you know, uh, excessiveness <laughs> of what, of trying to, um, contain that, um, or, or live within, because, you know, we're basically talking about the challenges of Jupiter right now, you know, that indulgence, exaggeration, uh, maybe superficiality, because Jupiter can live on that surface rather than in that more spiritual space, like we were talking about. Um, uh, ego. Ego, being hypocritical, you know, saying one thing but doing another. Um, There's also something I was reading in Jupiter's, that Steve Oreo Jupiter book, where he was talking about... Um, Jupiter is preacher and teacher. Mm. And so the preaching principle versus the teaching principle and 
the light aspects versus the shadow aspects of that, the, you know, Jupiter is like the, I know, or I seek, or I, you know, want to teach what I know. And so there's kind of that element too, where we were talking about even like Leo energy kind of getting prideful and the people that need to kind of turn it down. It's like learning, you know, how to kind of Jupiter people have to learn how to turn it down. Like just cause you know, something doesn't mean you need to share it or whatever. Yeah. 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 That's funny. Well, it reminds me of my friend, uh, Toby Geis, who was on here many, many podcasts ago. And I remember her cause she's a Sagittarius and she's like, I just, she's like, I've always felt that either I am just too much or not enough. <laughs> like no like in between there basically and so yeah no it, it <laughs> that makes a lot of sense there um so now where was i uh my mind you were talking and my mind was just like jupitering off i have mercury conjunct jupiter by the way in my chart in leo so my mind is like jupiter when it when it's like oh, oh all these ideas and then then they just all like fire like the, there's just ashes afterwards <laughs> I, don't I was reading about the relationship between mercury and jupiter too like in terms of you know like virgo and gemini being the signs that are you know the detriment of jupiter and mm. how i was reading if you have if you're a jupiter dominant person but you have a lot of virgo or capricorn energy it actually humbles or like cools off the ego of the Jupiter, it like grounds it in some way because you have that Mercury kind of polarity within mm-hmm. the chart that's not so Jupiter dominant. But I was curious about that kind of relationship because I have my Mercury in the ninth house in Virgo, which is different than you having Jupiter and Mercury conjunct, but it's still kind of like a Mercury Jupiter sandwich. Yeah, playing into that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it is kind of like that. Like, how do I keep my thoughts grounded and not like expand? It's <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny that you bring that up about because yeah, it, it, Jupiter does have a uh, you know what we would consider maybe a a bit of a different type of placement, or sometimes maybe harder in uh, both Virgo and Capricorn, which is interesting because they're both Earth signs. And here we're talking about principles that are definitely some, you know, <laughs> something more uh, ethereal of nature and not necessarily grounded in that rooted reality. But there's also Jupiter is connected um, in a benevolent way to, you know, uh, <sighs> luck in a lot of terms or generosity of generosity of the spirit. And we know that Virgo and Capricorn both, uh, (laughs) because they are so mired in earth, you know, they can, it can be a little, you know, can close that off on, on the negative sides of things. And that's why I'm I'm a little bit concerned as we have Jupiter moving into Capricorn, um, which I think is going to bring some, some nice things. But, you know, when we look at the way the state of the world right now, uh, with, you know, this transit of Jupiter through Sagittarius, and we see it here in the U S where we have all this, um, uh, very hot spot issues of the, you know, the whole ice thing and the, the immigration and the, the children, um, and then also uh, the underlying racism that's going on and all this, like, you know, because Jupiter and Sagittarius are just inundating us all with culture, right? Yeah. It's like, you need to open your mind to what the world looks like these days. Like, <laughs> it is what it is. 
preachy too about their beliefs with that too. That's like the preacher aspect of Jupiter. Right. And then on the other side, where it gets pretty uh, dogmatic or hypocritical at times too, because it just can't, you know, it just can't see. It just just can't see because it's so enmeshed in that. And so here we have Jupiter moving into... um, Capricorn uh, at the end of the year here and through 2020, and especially when it goes to meet Saturn and Pluto, you know, because Jupiter in in Capricorn can, you know, once again, if I get back to the generosity and the in the giving and the, and the the helping, and it's pulled back by that Capricorn, like, but it has to be within the system, or or it cools it off in a way that it might detach people even more from um, humanity in a sense. And I I just hope that that's not the case. Um, yeah, it's interesting to think about that. Yeah, it's uh, it just came to mind, and of course, I don't want to be that negative Nelly. But uh, my Capricorn Moon is like, well, realistically, <laughs> whatever the way things are headed, I'm hoping that it humbles people. Like, I'm hoping that that because yeah. I feel like what we have right now are a lot of people kind of like that expansion, like kind of you know we see a lot of like in PC culture right now. There's just like kind of some stuff that's getting very like it needs to get reined in. Yes way. And I'm hoping for me, my hope, I mean, I think we'll see polarities of everything, but I'm hoping that the Capricorn, the Jupiter and Capricorn will kind of maybe help put some of that into a container where it's a little bit more channeled rather than just rampant with everybody's fear. I feel like there's just a lot of projecting and fear-based language, but not always a solution. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping Jupiter and Capricorn can bring more solutions, maybe. (laughs) Just as long as they're not aligned with Cap, uh, you know, Saturnian fear. That's all that I care. Because you may know we might get a solution, a final one. Not bad joke, but (laughs) uh, but you know, that's we don't, we just don't know. And I think that um, we'll probably encounter some of both of what we're talking about. Because that's the thing with the transits is you get a whole flavor. It's not just one thing. It's many manifestations all over the place. But on to ta- to touch on that actually, uh, this when I was researching some of the Roman um, background with uh, Jupiter, I found this I'm just gonna read the whole paragraph because okay. it's, it seems to so this is what it said. It said just as societies advance, feelings surrounding Jupiter's place in the culture did as well. So we're talking about Roman culture back in the day. And so as stated he started out as the king of the gods that feeling rose mainly in rome's regal period when the emperor empire was ruled by kings emperors then came into came to power with the belief that they were living gods or even descendants of jupiter himself but as rome became a republic uh, a transition was made about the way folks thought about jupiter as well he thus represented competing factions On one hand, he was the picture of royal power and the people's ultimate deity. And on the other hand, Jupiter began to stand for what the old kingship now stood for, something bad and forbidden, worthy of punishment and scorn and was abhorred. And so I thought that was so interesting because like you just pointed out with, you know, uh, like we have a president that is very much the Jupiter expansion principle. Um, And I found that very interesting, like that uh, kind of back and forth, at least with the history of like uh, people that actually worshipped the, you know, the god Jupiter and how it kind of turned and and soured in a way, uh, having that kind of authoritarian um, or, you know, deified-like presence 
So that was interesting to me. Yeah, I love that. I love all that history too. It's so fascinating with the way the mythology has kind of, you know, right over the ages. Yeah, especially with politics and well, because that's how we got here today. You know, we all these little. All these little bits and pieces, all these little Virgo bits and pieces add up to the whole Jupiter. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how that relates to his hymn of like God of storms, you know, because he is also the God of thunder and lightning. And, you know? Right. Because he had his lightning bolt, which is very, we think of Uranus as that lightning. Um, but, uh, well, it's interesting because Jupiter was, so even though he was the king of gods, he based, he had two brothers, which of course were Neptune and Pluto, um, which Neptune was actually the god of storms in the sense of like you know like rainstorms and destruct earthquakes and destruction on earth type of thing um and he ruled the sea jupiter had the sky and his lightning bolts from down on top and then of course, his other brother was pluto of course hades down in the underworld which we know what happens there <laughs> and so all three of them kind of have like a, a stormy like overbearing uh, you know principle to them in in a lot of ways mythologically speaking so it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting to say the least. Oh, this is also something else I wanted to say in, in, about Rome. In another book I was reading, which if people are into mundane astrology, which I am, uh, Mundane Astrology, An Introduction to the Astrology of Nations and Groups by Michael Bagnet, B-A-I-G-E-N-T, Nicholas Campion, who's done a lot of work on mundane stuff, and Charles Harvey. And so I looked up Jupiter, and there was just a little passage, and I found this very interesting. So we're going back to Rome again. But it said, Cicero, um, who was a you know, big presence in, in ancient Rome, Cicero believed that religion saved... Okay, because keep in mind, Jupiter is associated with religion and spirituality, this higher mind that we're talking about, um, what it is you believe in what it is you learn, expanded knowledge in your mind um, and that bigger overall picture. And that includes that spiritual principle. So, okay. So Cicero believed that religion saved spending money on police by keeping people well-behaved. Thus, Jupiter represents the law, both as a means to ensure justice and a means to control the population. And it represents religion both as a deep experience and as a function of state control. And so I thought that was super interesting as well, like that, the way that they, you know, he looked at <laughs> back then yeah. the principle of Jupiter and that, that justice, but also a way to control because mundane speaking, you know, J Jupiter, we're looking at the law, clergy, high courts, uh, charitable foundations, um, universities and higher learning, uh, publishing, you know, because it gets thoughts and ideas out there, uh, philanthropy, you know, people that are generous and give their money to uh, a higher cause. Um, and of course, these belief systems and religious and spiritual connections. So I just found that very interesting, like this kind of like flip side of what that those things seem to create in society. <laughs> yeah. well, Jupiter was associated with Thor too. So you think about Thor's hammer, you know, and mm -hmm. you know what Thor represents. And then I guess there was some progression of that into why we call Thursday Thursday that I'm not remembering. But I just think that when you look through all the mythology outside of even Rome, like they had a justice principle, I think, because they saw him as God, you mm -hmm. know, they saw that as almost like the karmic influence that God would have of maybe like cause and effect, right? Like, 
here's the consequence to whatever actions you're having in whatever way. And that's where I see the higher mind principle too with Jupiter. It's like, if there is this belief that there's, you know, divine, like he was the divine mind, he was connected to the divine mind. So if there's this belief system that there's a divine mind and then there's a lower mind, then it's like anything that's not of the divine mind is going to be punished, you know, in some kind of way if it doesn't fall into what's seen as just. Yeah, he like upholds whatever the culture was believed to, to see as divine or lawful in whatever mm. way. So that's, a, yeah, it's interesting. Well, and it brings us just what we back to what we were talking about earlier and and how Jupiter pushes us forward no matter if we're ready or not. And so that seems to be like almost like a justice of the soul in a way. Yeah. It's like, uh, this has to happen, you know? This is just this. In the tarot. The judgment card in the tarot is related to Jupiter and Pluto. Oh, interesting. <laughs> we were talking about Jupiter and Pluto, our conjunctions that we have. Yeah. So it's like judgment day, you know, it's like your Jupiter evaluates like whether or not you're worthy of becoming a part of the divine council in the heavens, like you mm. the heavens, you know, so I love it. <laughs> you know, it's actually, you know, what's kind of funny is I started looking back um, as I was just kind of, you know, collecting ideas to kind of mull around in my brain. You know, I'm looking back at my old notes from old lectures I've taken or old conferences or this and that. And I'll tell you what, hardly anybody speaks about Jupiter. People really? speak about Pluto. They'll speak about yeah. Neptune. They'll speak about hypothetical planets. They'll speak about co- mythological concepts. They'll speak about this, that. But there's never, <laughs> there's rarely ever anything on Jupiter. And I don't know if it's because we want to focus on planets that seem uh, more challenging. And it's like, okay, we need to know about this because this is, you know, a lot of what people are looking for, you know, solace in <laughs> when they're experiencing. Right. But here we are talking about Jupiter in a way that, yes, it can bring that good force fortune and success and divine blessings at times, you know, if the charts and the stars align. But bottom line is it is trying to push us forward. And so I think that gets lost sometimes in just thinking about Jupiter. And then, um, yeah, so I just found that interesting. It's interesting because I didn't, I mean, I haven't taken as many conferences or lectures as you, so I wouldn't have any of that knowledge, but it makes me kind of be like, hmm, maybe I should start thinking about putting together some, because I'm Jupiter obsessed. I think you should. (laughs) The amount of Jupiter, like influence in my chart, I definitely love talking about that whole that whole part of it that's kind of but I always feel kind of like I'm supposed to be focusing on something else so I try (laughs) to pull it off but it's funny though because that's Jupiter right like inflated or yeah inflated enough I'm always worried about being inflated Well, there is room for it because clearly, clearly, it is uh, underrepresented from what from my viewpoint. Of course, I can't see all of what's being done out there because there's so much. But um, I just found that interesting as I was looking back, and I'm like, nothing, nothing. Um, Now, one thing we didn't talk about with Jupiter, and which is very important in our our relationship with Jupiter in our lives, is the fact that Jupiter has a return cycle, right? So every twelve years, it comes back to its original position that you uh, that it was when you were born, and so we have these twelve year Jupiter Jupiter cycles where we are pushing forward into new growth, especially once Jupiter starts a new cycle within 
um, your own Jupiter. And so, of course, you know, super easy to count off. 12, 24, 36, 48, 60, 72, 84. If you live longer than that, you do the math. But, but you know, you look at 12, that's when we go through pub- puberty. Um, and that's when we start to grow and expand <laughs> in many ways. Um, yeah. And you know what's also very interesting that I learned in a uh, lecture by Sam Reynolds, uh, and he was talking on how to... Um, at Norwalk, he was talking on how to thrive in your 40s through astrology. And so he was talking about the uh, fourth Jupiter return at 48 and how, uh, I think it was New York Times had published an article uh, where they were talking about inventor patents. And the, the most common age for people to submit their in- invention to, to the patent office was 48. What? Isn't that crazy? That's pretty awesome. I kind of love it. Yeah. And so, well, especially about the 40s, you know, you've kind of cultivated what it is you've learned. Like there's different expressions of the return for each one of those cycles. Um, And uh, 48, yeah, it seems like we have gone enough wisdom. We've experimented with our craft long enough to where that's like kind of the big like, aha. Now that you've entered your 40s, you can have that to look forward to is maybe like you invent some new system of astrology or something that people start to use. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I honestly, through that talk, like he gave me so much hope. And especially when the Jupiter one came around, I was like, yes. Cause he used the example, um, of actually, um, uh, the woman, uh, what's her name? It's escaping me right now. Mercury. Susan Boyle, the, you know, the, she oh, yeah. like worldwide fame of this, you know, kind of frumpy, you know, unassuming woman that uh, just sang the hell out of a song on, you know, a British, um, I don't know if it was The Voice, America's Got, Britain's Got America's Talent, Britain's Got yeah. Talent, maybe one of those shows. And so when she took the stage and so she, she even said in her own words, she's like, I'd always had the dream of singing, but I had put it on the shelf, you know, and and that's the thing is when we come back to Jupiter, we almost get reconfigured to the things that we, you know, had expanded upon earlier, but then, you know, can really dive into. And so when she did that performance, she was 48. Wow, <laughs> when she was having her Jupiter return and she blew up literally, you know, and it was too much for her because she actually had to pull back because she kind of had anxiety disorders already as a person. And that was just too much for her. Um, that Jupiter energy to, you know, contain. You might have some Virgo in her chart then. (laughs) I would be willing to bet. I'm sure, I'm sure my fast Gemini Mars fingers here. (laughs) Pull up Susan. Let's find out what's going on with Susan. Oh, here she is. Of course. course. Capricorner Virgo cooling it off. So she looks like she's a Gemini rising. At 28 degrees, so it's pretty late here. Aries sun, interesting. Not a single thing in Sag, <laughs> um, but it's her seventh house there. Uh, yeah, she's got a Libra moon, Saturn in Cap, Venus retrograde in Aries. That's what I'm guessing. That it's, makes sense, yeah. That makes sense because Venus is in detriment there, so it already has a hard time. Sense to me, too, with that, just because it's a you know polarity of Jupiter. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. So Gemini rising, but Mercury in uh, Pisces. So that's going to add that shy (laughs) element. Also another planet in in detriment and fall too. So it can be a little harder to work with and adjust to. So yeah, that's that's interesting about old Susan here. And what you'll like this because we both like numbers, but you know, if you think about it, a 12 year cycle, if you do the numerology of that one plus two is three and three is the number of expansion. And you know, that's super cool. Jupiter's the largest planet, right? It's like, yeah, love Jupiter. (laughs) I'm all about it. I, uh, we had in there, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun, but you wanted to talk about the Mars trine. Yes. You read my mind. So let's go into, okay. So we talked enough about Jupiter and what Jupiter is for the most part, but so let's talk about, you know, the fact that it's coming around here. We're going to have Mars already trined it last week will be two weeks from when this airs. Um, do you remember anything happening? Yeah, that was the thing that, because I was like, oh yeah, what did I, What? Ha-? I remember because I had written the forecast and I had realized, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool that that's lining up with that. But I, ta- I taught my first in-person private astrology class the day after that transit. And the thing that was really special for me about that is that, um, when I had my solar return chart done um, last year on my birthday, I I had two different astrologers in my life kind of give me feedback on it. And the general consensus was that I was leaning towards teaching at some point. And so this year, I kind of tried to align myself more with that, but I wasn't really making as much headway with it as I wanted to. I wasn't really dedicating myself as much. But then I had these two women come into my life that were like, we, we're friends. We want to take private classes from you. And it just happened that we scheduled our first private astro class during that transit without even you know doing it. It wasn't on purpose, nothing. But I was just... I just remember while we were doing the class, like having that in the back of my mind, but I'd totally forgotten about it because I've been so busy that I've just... It's like in and then out. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty special. I was very like, thank you. That's perfect. Yeah. It's literally perfect. Yes. Uh, which is actually funny because around that time I was changing up my Patreon because I'm going into, uh, doing a teaching. Uh, oh. I have a new program, uh, coming out, uh, right after Jupiter goes direct here. Uh, we'll have next week from when this airs, but, uh, Astro story time where we'll be telling taking up the storyteller role to, you know, uh, do a program to still tell stories and stuff um, from an educational standpoint. So I was doing the same thing. I was activating, you know, that, that Jupiterian uh, Leo, uh, you know, cause it's, you know, teaching is a very creative process. Yeah. Um, and Leo and, and Sag both are known for being teachers, yeah. you know, both of them. Um, and so which is interesting because I think that, because not only did it, as Mars was trining uh, Jupiter for me, because Jupiter is rules my second and my fifth house. Um, and so for me, I started getting really interested in my creative projects. Like I was making a lot of music and having fun with that, uh, you know, getting my mind wrapped around teaching modules. And I just am starting to have this new relationship with creativity uh, where I think before personally, I pigeonholed it to be only certain things. But now I'm realizing that uh, 
creative energy is is can be found anywhere and you can apply it to anything that you're doing in life. And so I feel for me in these personal transits as I'm, you know, getting the hits and what's to come here um, as we, you know, because obviously we haven't lived it yet. We're just talking about what we think, but I see more of that coming and like developing that relationship to creativity more in, in a new and expanded, uh, you know, way of looking at it. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's super exciting. That's so exciting. And what also is exciting is Jupiter is going direct. Because let's keep in mind that Jupiter has been retrograde since April. Since April 10th, it retrograded at 24 degrees and 21 minutes of Sagittarius. And so, you know, Jupiter and that expansion principle has been internalized, right? (laughs) This whole time. So, yeah. So now I feel like we actually get to move forward here uh, with these trines um, happening. And then, so basically Jupiter stationing all week the, uh, that this airs and we have a sun trine and we have Venus trine. And then on Sunday, uh, August 11th, Jupiter is going to station the same day that Uranus goes retrograde, which is fascinating yeah. on it many. Fascinating. Yeah. And then Mercury joins the Leo party. And we have fire central going on. So, I mean, what do you think about the two stationing on the same day? I don't know yet. I feel kind of excited about it, though. It's, it's <laughs> going to be a crazy week, I think. I think these weeks are going to be bookended and we're going to be fresh off this Leo, uh, you know, new moon. The fires are rolling. We're getting these Uranus transits. And I'm a little worried about my strength card reverse. Okay. We're- in the beginning. That's what I'm thinking because I'm seeing it as like an existential burnout. That's in, that's interesting that you... Okay. So this is what I was thinking about right when, um, when I was putting together the idea of these transits because here we have all this Leo energy trining into this like larger than life Jupiter and Sagittarius, which is just in its home, it's blazing, it's doing its thing and it's stationing, it's extra strong. And so here's the thing. If you're like Annalisa <laughs> with, with strong Jupiter already, you know, it, you can go overboard. You can get, uh, you know, manic or burn out in ways because it's just too much to take on, right? Well, and if we look at the, right. And if we look at the like benevolent aspect of Jupiter, August is completely booked for me. And it got booked up like a couple weeks ago where like my calendar is just like back to back readings, back to back everything. It's just full. And I think of, I always relate like the transits to tarot cards, but it's like the 10 of wands where you're just like carrying that heavy Mm -hmm. because you said yes to so many things and you're just like (laughs) jamming it all in there so it's like that's where the benevolent stuff you know I remember when I first not when I first there was this I'd already been doing spells and kind of rituals and stuff and I walked into this uh kind of bruja candle shop for and it was my first time there and they were trying to kind of guide me towards abundant spells and I remember I was like no Please don't give me any more abundant spells. I do not need any more in my life. I have enough. If anything, like, let's focus on me creating more peace and tranquility and, like, rest and knowing when to say no and knowing when to take a break and knowing how to set boundaries and protecting myself and cleansing out energy, like, all that kind of stuff. So when I see these transits, I think, like, 
oh, there's all these things happening and it's, you know, fiery and it's great and self-expression. But for me, the automatic response is overwhelm and um, I can see the burnout that's going to come after this very abundant, wonderful, you know, fiery month or whatever, you know, where I'm like, okay, where do I schedule in the rest? And I actually am getting better at doing that. I scheduled a massage for me and my husband in September on September 8th, which is a crazy day astrologically. And the sun is squaring Jupiter that day with a Capricorn moon. Um, so Mercury will be training Pluto too. I'm jumping ahead. Mars training Saturn. But anyways, that, um, just kind of that like energy of August of just being like, okay, it's expansive. It's great. It's wonderful. Thank God Jupiter's direct on my birthday because I want to have a good birthday, but I'm just kind of, you know, prepared to just at the end of it, like, holy cow, what was that, you know? Because <laughs> there is such thing as too much of a good thing, right? You know, like, it's like, like you said, you're like, I don't need any more abundance. I can only handle so much. And I love that you scheduled the massage during that week because I know exactly what week you're talking about. And there's so many, so many things going down that week. Uh, but it makes a lot of sense to then take all that, you know, fire, and then we're going to have all these trines in Earth between Virgo and Capricorn. I and can't wait. I'm waiting. Yes. Excited for the earth energy to enter already. <laughs> and that's the thing is I think right now we're just going to be incredibly inspired. We're going to be like lifted up where our awareness is going to expand, you know, in multiple, <laughs> multiple ways. And then we can kind of root that down and then, uh, you know, manifest that in a, in a more earthly way or even shake off some of that energy and, and you know, ground back down once the Virgo season uh, hits. Because I think that's going to be a very productive time of this particular year. But here we are in this, uh, you know, very much like, I love how you said, I said yes to so many things because Jupiter, Jupiter's like, say yes, yes, yes. Saturn's like, no. (laughs) Um, And so we are, you know, having Jupiter and Sagittarius, we are saying yes. And sometimes, you know, if you have extra Jupiter, like, you know, you do, it could, you know, you can say yes one too many times and realize like, oh, wait, okay. But then for other people, you know, say if you're heavily Saturnian or just fixed by nature, you know, you've got strong fixed energy, there could be resistance because now things are moving, right? You know, it's get, it's like, get out of your comfort zone, you know, it's just what you need. And so for some, I think it, it might like kind of throw things over the edge or give the burnout that you're talking about. Um, and then for other people, it's going to be like, like this, I just imagine like, looking behind you in like a tunnel and this just fire is just coming at you and you got to run because it's like, all right, time to get moving. You got to go, you know, you can't stand there. You're going to be burned alive. <laughs> you got to like move yeah. with the flame, move with the flame of life and in the now and the fire. And so, you know, let go of the past because the fire is all about the now and being very present here. Um, so yeah, it will be hard to say how it turns out for everyone. But just, you know, if you're familiar with your chart, uh, look at your own Jupiter, uh, you know, see or get to one of us astrologers. That's what we're here for <laughs> to know if, you, you know, how it might interact for you. But it's going to be interesting to say the and least. The Uranus and Taurus thing, like as I'm thinking about it too, just in relation to some of the readings that I've been doing where we're looking at that stuff. I like, I'm thinking about retrograde energy of just like 
how you start to gain momentum, things start to move forward. And then you realize you have to kind of go back and rework some things, or maybe it didn't turn out the way that you thought it was going to turn out. And there's kind of like a little bit of disruption. And I'm seeing a lot of foreshadow in readings for people where it's like, everybody's about to start this new mentorship or this new job, or they're moving and there's a new relationship with you know the move that's happening, or there's all these new things that are entering the picture. But when you do any kind of reading around what the lesson is, it's not an easy one. It's usually, it's not, I haven't done any readings about the future for anyone where it's like going to be smooth sailing. It's all like, this is going to be hard and you're going to be faced with these lessons and it's going to look like this and get ready for a wild ride. But at the end of it, that Jupiter expansion into that higher self, that's what's going to get you there. But it's just through all of these obstacles or these challenges. So I think that Uranus retrograde is probably what's causing that. Because I'm also, you know, this is when I'm talking about the readings that I'm doing. This is tarot readings with astrology. So I'm, I'm pulling cards and then I'm looking at people's charts and I'm reading kind of what the cards are pointing out in the chart. And there's been a lot of Taurus cards, a ton of Taurus cards, and a lot of Sagittarius Jupiter cards as well. And so I think that, um, you know, I'm seeing kind of the the mentor, the new job, the new boss, or the, the, the move, the like cultural kind of shift. And then a lot of um, the Six of Swords, which is an Aquarius card, a Uranian card that's also about moving. And I just of- got that card yesterday. <laughs> Today and I had two people pull it last night, and yeah, it's just been coming up a lot. So um, I think that energy is going to be really prominent for this day that we're talking about that Jupiter direct. Yeah, because time to move on, right? You know, we've already yeah. as Jupiter stations, and we know where we must move forward. But Uranus stations to go retrograde is like, okay, here's the last shakeup before you get to kind of like you know, sit on that for a little bit. And yeah, like that new job you were so excited about might not be quite what you thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Or there could be some stress with it, or you just have to do things in a different way that you're not used to. And then you have to learn, you know, Jupiter's like, oh, you got to learn now. You just, you don't know that. Right. So we have to expand the mind in a way that now fits this new foundation or this framework working in. And so, yeah, I totally agree. I think that is definitely going to be the case. And I love how this whole month really, or all of Leo season is, is really just having a planet hit a square with Uranus and then a trine with Jupiter, square with Uranus, trine with Jupiter, you know? And so shake it up, move it forward, shake it up, move it forward. Or, you know, and so that seems to be the pattern here. Um, but, you know, we're all, we're all growing. We're all learning at this time. We're riding that fire wave. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll see everyone on the other side. Yeah, right. I've also been advising people to just be really careful with how they, um, like, self-regulate when it comes to how they cope with some of this stuff. Because I mm-hmm. think that some of those Venus transit with Uranus and Taurus with the Jupiter and Sag kind of making those hits, it's very, you know, we could kind of justify going off the deep end financially or doing some kind of retail therapy or, 
you know, fun escapist route kind of way of coping with some of these lessons. And you don't really want to miss the whole point of the lesson <laughs> by trying to escape it. So it's like, have fun, like do what you need to do, but also try to really learn something from this. Cause the more you resist it, I think the harsher, you know, the way that the karma supposedly works in terms of the pendulum, it's like, you know, the universe or the, you know, if we look at the cause and effect, principle it's always the universe is always trying to balance itself so the farther you swing to one side the farther it has to swing back to correct itself so we don't want to ever you know go oh i had such a bad day so i have to go all the way over this way we need to kind of stick with that balancing act of keeping things in this middle state mm-hmm. i'm hoping that jupiter direct with uranus retrograde creates this weird kind of balance, but I doubt it will. If anything, it's we're all going to be trying to like hold on to what we can and, you know. Well, because of course, as you're saying that, my mind goes instantly to the temperance card <laughs> in Sagittarius yeah. there because that's exactly the principle of, you know, balancing, uh, especially internal forces and finding that, that sense of moderation, um, which is not easy for Jupiter to do sometimes, and especially with Uranus in there too, because Uranus, you know, speaking as someone who has Uranus on the ascendant, like Uranus is in innovative and, you know, can have that weird, like genius eccentric type of vibe to it, but it could also be very rigid and uh, very, you know, <laughs> like it just sticks to this thing and it's got like, it's horse blinders on and it's going to, uh, you know, destruct or say something, no matter what, because it's just in this very rigid state. And so, um, you know, putting those two together and like ping-ponging off of that square to that trine, it's bound to have some very interesting effects for a lot of people. And I think we're going to, we're going to see a, a gamut of, uh, this energy realizing itself in very positive ways and also very, uh, you know, potentially destructive. And like you said, that pendulum swinging all the way to the other side, just because of the extreme nature that can come out of everything meeting uh, in this space as well. And it's Leo season, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's diva town as far as I think. But um, yeah, <laughs> yes, we're all in diva mode right now. So I guess if, if, if there's one thing for people to take away, what would you say of how to best work with Jupiter energy? In general or during the season or both? And whatever you feel like saying. I would say with Jupiter, if you feel the call to explore and seek higher wisdom or truth, you should follow it. But because Jupiter tends to lack a healthy level of discernment when it doesn't have a healthy boundary or container, that you always need to be exercising a healthy level of discernment and knowing that if something gets out of your scope, part of the wisdom of Jupiter is also knowing when to scale it back and work within, you know, the kind of where you're at with it. Right. So it's like, you have to decide, like we look at the page of wands, who's kind of like the student of Sagittarian energy, you know, you're having a lighthearted, playful approach and you're enjoying the journey. You're enjoying the process. We don't want to turn into like a night of wands reversed where we're, trying to charge full speed ahead before we've learned the lessons because that's when it gets destructive. So I would just say slow your roll as much as you can and just try to... The Leo is... um, Kathleen and Daughter of Wands compares Leo to the steady flame. 
And so I kind of like that analogy of like, we can look at fixed fire as kind of where we can take a step back when Jupiter starts getting like it's blazing out too much. So I would just say, if you start feeling like the fire start, stops being containable, <laughs> think of like taking a, a back step into the, the fixed flame, right? Like we need to put some, we need to douse some water on it. The temperate yeah. part is a great thing to bring up because I think that is definitely what we should all be mentally meditating on with Jupiter. With The goal is temperance for sure. Yeah. Temperance. So, so that's the that's the key word. Take it with you <laughs> as we go through this week and the upcoming weeks, and especially as Jupiter stations uh, while Uranus does as well. So it's bound to be very interesting. So we'll have to live it and find out. That's how it works. But um, all right. So uh, all right. So Annalisa, where can people find you? What you got going on? Um, you can find me at CosmicLady6.com or at CosmicLady6 on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, um, Cosmically. I think it's Facebook.com slash CosmicLady6. CosmicLady6, just Google it. That'll be on there. And uh, yeah, nothing too new and exciting. I uh, do astrology and tarot readings and I post a weekly forecast on the transits that I try to simplify the transit so that if you don't study astrology, you at least can kind of get a quick synopsis, easy to start your day out to kind of see what the energy of the air is. I try to make it pretty neutral too, so that it can apply to most people, but I'm sure it doesn't always resonate for everybody, but it's fun. People enjoy it. So yeah, on my website or in my stories on Instagram. Yeah, the right people will see it at the right time. That's what I think. That's just how it works. So, exactly. all right. Well, I, of course, put a blog post as I normally do uh, that will have Annalisa's information there as well. So where can you find me? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com uh, and over on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles as well. Um, and of course, as I said earlier, I have new... Uh, Patreon tiers up now where I now provide show notes for my written forecasts. And I also have a new program called Astro Storytime that will be airing the week of August uh, 12th, you know, right after Jupiter goes direct. Uh, so if you are into that, uh, go check out my Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And of course, I do consultations as well. So if you're interested in that, please reach out. Um, and so so I know everybody needs to know about Jupiter, right? Jupiter, you got to spread the good word. <laughs> so <laughs> tell a friend, share it, share the podcast, leave a, you know, a generous review, a generous jovial review on wherever you listen to this um, and just spread that good word because that's what Jupiter does. It just spreads. <laughs> just spread. Like wildfire. <laughs> wildfire, which yeah, by the way, the paradise fire that happened that obliterated yeah. that town was the day Jupiter moved into Sagittarius. So, so Crazy. Get on that. (laughs) But hopefully no fires. The paradise mythos that day before I knew about it. Oh, that's crazy. That's even stranger. You must have known that Pisces moon was perking up. You're like, hmm. So, (laughs) well, stay out of that fire and find your temperance, people, because it'll be an interesting time, but a fun one nonetheless, I think. So, all right, Annalisa, thank you so much for being here. I always love it when you're having me. I love being on here. Absolutely. And I'm sure you'll be back. So, in time. 
Especially on this auspicious new moon, extra special. We're setting intentions. We should say a new moon intention real quick before we end it. Okay. What? Um, I know. Oh, we totally missed it. So the new moon happened about uh, four, <laughs> 40, uh, five minutes ago. Exactly. Mercury's direct. Mercury's now direct. So let's set the intention. So I am setting the intention that I am just going to uh, live in what brings me joy. No more BS around that. If it's joyful, I take it. If it's not, I rearrange. What about you? I love that. I want to piggyback on that intention. My intention (laughs) was kind of to be serious about being less serious. I like that. I need to piggyback on that. So how about we piggyback together? We set them together. And I like it because they're actually um, opposites of one another. And so we're essentially saying the same thing in different words. <laughs> exactly. That's why I yeah. wanted to piggyback on yours. Cultivating more joy. Cultivating more joy, less seriousness. I love it. So, all right, everyone. More joy, less seriousness. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I do appreciate it. And as always, may the stars be with you.